welcome back to Let's Talk Shop. This is episode two of season five. Thank you so much for listening to Let's Talk Shop. I'm excited to bring you another season. And today I am speaking with Sarah Collins, who's an ethical production consultant and founder of Sister and Kin, a ethical fashion brand. I'm super, super excited. I have actually done a few Instagram lives with Sarah about ethical and sustainability. And that's why we are talking on the podcast today. I think that we all need to be more aware and conscious about what we buy. And as business owners, we need to do what we can to make this or leave this planet in a better state than it currently is, I feel and also making sure that we take care of people. So we talk about what the difference is between ethical and sustainable, how you can, what you can do to be as ethical or as sustainable as you can in your business. And also how you can choose what matters most to you because as small businesses it is hard to do it all and sometimes we need to make choices and how do we deal with those choices and that sometimes can feel maybe as compromises so we talk about all of that so I hope that you enjoy my talk with Sarah today and um if you do, it would be great if you would uh, share that you're listening over on Instagram. You can tag me. I'm small underscore business underscore collaborative. And of course, it's always helpful if you enjoy the podcast, if you can leave us a review over on Apple Podcast. Uh, but uh, without further ado, here's my chat with Sarah Collins. Hello, Sarah. Thank you so much for coming on Let's Talk Shop. I I'm really excited to have a chat with you. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited and it's really lovely to chat. Um yeah, really excited. Yeah, me too. I thought we'd kick things off. I know we've done lives in the past, but I thought we we'd kick things off with a bit of an introduction to what you do. Under the ethical production consultant umbrella, I help brands with um, sourcing manufacturers, helping them understand the ethical manufacturing process and also um, do sourcing projects as well. So anything to do with manufacturing and the world of ethics, I just kind of help independent brands with their needs in lots of different ways. And then um, I've been I've had Sister and Kin for a couple of years now, which is started off as an accessories brand. And I'm bringing out my first fashion collection very soon. Um, and that's very much focused on the ethics. Obviously, it's been an ethical brand and that being uh, the main focus of what I do. So, yeah, that's really exciting. I'm, I, I guess once this episode is out, your new collection will actually be available. Yes. I'm so excited. Yeah, that's going to be so exciting. So how how did you come to do what you do? Like, what's your background? I've done lots of different things. Um, I studied fashion and then textiles and then sort of went on a bit of a path of traveling and volunteering. So I was volunteering in India with a woman's enterprise, a fair trade enterprise that was supporting rural women in India with product development. And then from that, I start that got me into sort of the world of ethical fashion back in sort of 2010. 
And then I worked for a fair trade company, which was a retailer and wholesaler. And I was, it was, it's a small company. Um, So I had many roles within that, how it usually is when it's a small independent company. Um, I say small, we we wholesaled all over Europe, but, and had thousands of different products, but I did a lot of product development. I was very producer facing and worked with different product ranges from jewellery, home accessories, gifts, different, all sorts, and really focused on um, producer facing communications. Um, So from that, that's, yeah, that's really, that's the bulk of my experience. And what came first after that? Did you start Sister and Kin first and then decided to also become an ethical production consultant or was it the opposite? I started Sister and Kin first. That's been going for two years and I started that first and I absolutely loved doing it and I always that was my always my end goal was to have my own brand working with artisans in the way that I always had done Um, but then once I was doing it I really missed that more of having an impact in that space so last year I I started I put together an idea to work with brands and help them in that space as well because it's the biggest thing that I get asked all the time is how do you work with suppliers how do you meet them and actually that part of running the business is the most natural to me and the thing I find I get so much joy out of that I thought it'd be really good to help other businesses with that process. Have you seen a change in the number of people that are thinking about being more conscious about how they source their products? Definitely. I mean I do get asked a lot of questions a lot and I I work from brands that are starting a brand and they they know that they want to be they have sustainability and ethics in the forefront of their mind and that's really important to them but then I also work with brands that have been going for a while and I wouldn't say work unethically but they just never had like ethics and sustainability as the forefront and they're now trying to move into that and I can help them sort of work more ethically and improve that within their supply chain. I think that's so good because I do think it's a bit of a I don't know it might be a the wrong expression to use but it's a bit of a rabbit hole (laughs) in the sense where you if you want to be more ethical you can take it really far or you can do a bit (laughs) if it makes sense so I think that a lot of small businesses when they start off they do what they can to be Mm -hmm. ethical but then maybe at one stage they would want to take it all the way down the supply chain which I think is a bit of a process yeah definitely there's so many levels to it and I do think it can get so overwhelming so even if you've already got a business and you're quite comfortable with manufacturing to then start bringing ethics and sustainability into it can feel really overwhelming usually because you've got so much to do as well if you're running yeah. a business and then if you're starting out and it and the whole thing is new to you you're learning about the process and you're learning about ethics and there's generally a lot of fear about starting and labeling yourself as ethical because people are really scared of backlash they're scared of getting it wrong and it does build that it builds a lot of fear so I like to really help people just focus in on you know what are their priorities for their brand and, and what does ethical mean to them what sustainability Hmm. mean to them and how can you work on that and then how do you work towards improving it down the line like what's your focus now what's your long-term focus? I love that because it is a scary process I think we've seen bigger 
brands that label themselves either ethical or sustainable or both having backlash for not doing everything yeah and 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 that's probably may means that smaller brands are not shouting as much as they could be about the fact that they are actually trying to do a lot of things in the behind the scenes yeah and I do think so that comes down to transparency and I know that we there's brands that are out there that are being transparent about what they're working on what their goals are their supply chain and backlash happens and that's because consumer behaviors change if, if you are labeling yourself as an ethical brand consumers expect a certain level of whatever like ethics within that and it does put you in a very vulnerable place I think and very scary mm. place and I just think it's I mean I guess it's just about like sharing the facts and just being confident that you, you maybe don't you just focus on using those buzzwords like think about practically what do I do so keep like evidence what you do I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And focus on the things that you do do, not on the things that you haven't been able to do yet, I think. Yeah, and maybe just say what, like, for example, with the dresses that I am launching that we mentioned, I've only got um, a size small, medium and large, and that's not really where I want to be. That's not ideal at all. Um, So I've been very open that, because I'm starting really small, next time I order, I'll add a size range. Next time I'll order, I'll add another one. So I've said, this it's lacking here, and this is my plan, and that's what I'll do. And it's not out, it's not putting too much pressure on myself, and it's been very open about. I think that's great, because I think that's a big thing that people are expecting of ethical brands. And it's not just like snapping your fingers and releasing 20 sizes, because it each size costs a lot of money. <laughs> Yeah, especially (laughs) because you want to have more than one color too. (laughs) So like, you have to make choices. And I, you know, and it's not just, oh, you just add a few centimeters each way, you have to have them scaled. So it's not as easy as maybe it looks to some people that wouldn't have that knowledge. Yeah, and I made a choice when, um, when I was sampling my medium was a size 10 for um, industry standards but I was like well that's just not a medium to me that's a small so (laughs) I've I've made my medium 12 to 14 and my large 16 to 18 so I do have a wider range but then knowing that I'll then upgrade that to 18 to 20 and and then also do 6 to 8 so and I'll just start adding either way and it yeah I think it's important to give yourself realistic goals (laughs) yeah and I think that's just it isn't it you have to start somewhere and we mm-hmm. have to celebrate that, you know, smaller brands are making those choices for a reason and, yeah, you know, trying to bring us what we want. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it would be good to know what, I know we've spoken about this before, but the difference between ethical and sustainable, because it, it does, it's like two buzzwords in a way that are used a lot and they have quite different meaning I think so what would you say about that yeah they're both very lauded words aren't they like to Mm. use them (laughs) Um, but I think to put it really simply like the way I see it and I think the way a lot of people see it sustainability is about doing something in a sustainable way that it can continue to be done in that way and it's more focused on the planet environmental issues and being more eco-friendly and the planet in mind and then ethics 
really is about workers' rights, the people that are the garment workers, and then but then it can get a bit confusing because some people's ethics might be, you know, veganism, and then that falls into the other categories. And but I think to put it really simple, ethics is about the people, and sustainability is about the planet. Sometimes you have to pick one to focus on first, right? Yeah. Like as a brand, it. We have so little time as a brand owner, but it's important to know which one you are focusing on. Yeah, I think the course that I run with Lottie, we really focus on what are your business values and then how does that make, like think about your ethics and sustainable values and align them with your business values. And that's the priority for your business. I think that's wonderful. So, uh, Tell us a little bit more about the course. What is the course? <laughs> um, so the course is called Unlocking Ethical Production and Sustainable Design. We ran it once last year and it was amazing. So Lottie's a fashion tech pack designer. So she and she's really, you know, she's really passionate about sustainability. So she goes through how you design it's about really understanding design, sustainability within design. For example, the quality of the products that you're making, like make them to last. Think about yeah everything within that and then the materials, the fabrics, all of that. And then I really focus on ethical manufacturing, looking at different types of manufacturing, working with manufacturers, building those relationships. So we kind of teamed up put this course together so that's really exciting that's exciting and when are you going to do it again um so we're opening up we're running it from the 17th of april for four weeks and tickets are going on sale from the first of april and it's not just lottie's experiences fashion but i've got a lot of experience in home and gift and jewelry and different areas so last time we had quite a lot of people in the jewellery space joining us, which was quite nice. That's exciting. I think that there's lots of different um, products that that could work for because we're all heading that way. It's becoming, it's we all going to have to be, I, th- I think, you know, considerate and at least know our position really clearly. Yeah, 100%. As we kind of grow our businesses. So when it comes to ethical and sustainable I suppose what are there like because it means so many different things to different people are there any certifications and are they actually relevant to small businesses that you can get yeah definitely I mean a lot of manufacturers do have certifications different audits in different parts of the world in different spaces there might be different some are internationally known but there's absolutely tons and I think it depends on who you who you work with I guess it's about looking at I always say like ask what certifications they have and look at them I do think they're relevant especially when you're working more mid to large with mid to large scale manufacturers because it shows that they've got intention for improving and it and an audit people I don't know why but they get scared to ask for audit evidence Mm. I think just ask for it and it gives you the information it gives you exactly what's happened you know what the workers have here like all of the details they're quite long documents but I really love them (laughs) I I think they're really interesting actually (laughs) I've always enjoyed reading them because like knowing how overtime is paid how what the working hours are what days of the week is it a six mm. day work week or what is it what is in that standard contract 
I think is really important. Yeah, <laughs> so I do. I've always enjoyed it. Um, and I've always been surprised, like, how detailed they are. I think that they are actually really helpful. Yeah. And I think that by asking for it, when you pick your manufacturing from a wholesale point of view, you are future-proofing your business. Because if you exactly. do want to supply a larger retailer, they will be asking for those audits. Like, yes. Because they need to cover their backs. And the only way, there's no way they can check on every single manufacturer, every single thing. So they will be asking for the audits and they will be checking those. Yeah. One thing that I like to look at is the gender equality within management. I think that's mm. a good stat. That's my favorite one to look at <laughs> to make sure there's some good balance there. Um, but then I on the, on the other side, like other side of that, like I do think audits are really important. I do think they're not enough. Mm-hmm. I think you have to dig deeper to build your own personal relationship and not just rely, I've got this audit, so everything must be okay. And then on the other side of it, I think if you're working with, I've worked with so many really small producer groups that are artisan based that do amazing work, but audits cost money and they just don't have that resource. Yeah. And they might be a team of eight people that knit in Nepal. Do you know what I mean? They do, yeah. You're supporting a community, but they don't have an audit. So I wouldn't say it's 100% yes, you have an audit. I think it depends on the way that you're working. But if you are working with a mid to large scale manufacturer, then I would be mm. expecting some good audits in place. And I think at one stage too, I mean, we used to have to pay for the audits when mm. we worked with some suppliers. So we would have to send someone in and they would have to agree to be part of it instead. Yeah. But then they have that. So it's like helping both ways, I think, you know. Yeah. I mean, most if you ask for an audit, it's usually one that a large company's already paid for. But I do think as a small business, you can just ask to see that rather than paying a couple of thousand pounds to, or however yeah. much it costs now to, to have it done. And it, it, it is really interesting. So, and also, I suppose another thing is to know that, you know, these, if you audit a factory, there might still be subcontractors and, and things too. So how far you take that, you need to decide. When I worked at a book publisher, you know, you have your printer, but you also have your paper mill and where the paper pulp is from. Mm. And and those are very different things, really. Yeah. Um, so that's maybe something to consider, too, in your sustainability. Yeah I, yeah, I think especially as well in the fashion space, there's a lot of issues around... Uh, manufacturers they take on work and then they outsource it to home workers but then the home workers have a real lack of they get paid by what they do and it's really mm-hmm. um, in a lot of cases it's very unfairly paid and then they also don't have any right and they're not protected as well because they make all of these goods and then they get paid afterwards so anyway I could go on forever about that so but yeah there's exactly there's it's about digging deeper as well and not just accepting everything on face value that is such an interesting thing because I remember when I was in my first job we were selling a lot of hot water bottles (laughs) and one year we needed more (laughs) and literally we knew that our supplier had people I mean the way he put it is like, oh, well, yes, I can get it done if I, you know, enlist like other people to knit the covers. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, he sold it to us as like a nice thing, but actually how they were being paid, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is, 
there's stories of people having to, you know, they only get paid once a month or every few months and they have, they've spent all day, like long days of working from home. And if there's any, yeah, there's real issues and not a lot of insight into that because it's how do you collect the data around that? Mm. So um, if you want to be a sustainable ethical brand what do you think are some of the common challenges um I think pretty much kind of what we've touched on is actually knowing what happens like knowing exactly what is happening you know it's not enough to read an audit and then say I'm an ethical brand um it's I think it's positioning yourself in a space where you know what you're doing and then where you need to improve and then being transparent about that and it's that's a lot of work to go into that and I think that is a challenge and then I do think you know on the sustainability side on a practical level it's really hard to buy sustainable sustainable fabrics in low quantities that's something I speak to about to people about all the time not so much with cottons and things but say your recycled uh, polyesters and, and those types of materials actually quite hard to get in in small quantities which small businesses really need to be starting small because again uh, not just for financial reasons obviously that's really important but for minimizing waste as well um mm. i think they're two big issues but i definitely think having full sight of what's actually happening is a really big issue like a really difficult part of it so what how can you get over past those challenges what do you what do you have any tips on what people can do. I think really prioritize your relationship with your manufacturer and don't just see it as like a business exchange I really treat like my manufacturers in the way that we always worked when I worked for the federal companies they are a partner in what you do they're so important and focus on building that relationship and then you know have it face to face if you can't visit in person but I would always say visit in person spend some time there so can I work in the factory today um I've got some bits I want to do I'm going to mock up some designs and like just spend some time with them and ask those questions ask the difficult questions and ask for evidence don't just Mm. uh, so that's the that's the best you can do if you can't physically get there then um I have a client who's got a video tour of a factory next week, which is really exciting. Obviously, you know, you don't want to think cynical and they can hide things or whatever, but you've got to do the best you can do and then know that you're always looking to improve and make sure and like making choices with ethics in mind. And then, I mean, with the fabrics, that's such a difficult one because people ask me all the time how to get around that. But I just think it's about, um, making the right choices for you and your business um can you collaborate with people can you buy dead stock different yeah I think get creative with how you get your fabrics yeah I actually have a client that sells she imports dead stock fabric from China what does she and sustainable fabrics um because like you know technology has changed a lot you know they do a lot of the designer fabrics are made in China so like there is a huge amount of dead stock fabric over there. So she, um, well, her husband is is Chinese and uh, she's from here. So they have that, ben, I suppose, but not benefit, but, you know, they have actually gone there and talked to yeah. the people that 
you know they're buying from so then that could be a good place to source fabric if you're manufacturing in the UK yeah um well so does she does she sell them in the so she sells dead stock fabrics in the UK yeah so they they ship them over so they're called pigeon vicious oh I've been look uh, I have I've been I found that website I do have that on my contacts list (laughs) Do yeah, <laughs> that's fun. Yeah, well, actually, it might be good for you to to know of it's Megan and her husband Frank, um, and they're in Liverpool. Um, oh, nice! And they may, you know, their focus is on wholesale for their fabrics. They also make buttons, which they do sell to retail. Uh, as in, like they have an Etsy store. Yeah, and they they sell to the consumer but their focus has always been on wholesaling fabrics and actually um apart from dead stock fabric they also have a really wide selection of like tinsel and sustainable fab uh, fibers that's amazing yeah i've sent their website out to a couple of people because i always get really excited when i find something like that in the uk because i can put people in touch with manufacturers that produce fabric on a large scale or more organic cottons like artisans like that I've got so many contacts but having someone in the UK that sells dead stock is just perfect for brands that are just starting up now I think yeah and that is also a small business I think is quite Mm. nice because then they're not you know you're not going to have maybe crazy volumes yeah. <laughs> that you have to buy yeah. and you don't have to worry. And, and it can be quite expensive too if you wanted to buy it from abroad yeah but you don't have to worry about importing they can do all of that for you <laughs> yeah exactly they've had to learn how to do that for yeah. you <laughs> which is it which is really nice um so how do you think that the pandemic has changed anything in terms of like how you source sustainably and ethically or um that's an interesting one because I would like to say that it that it you know because there was obviously a lot of issues that happened when the pandemic started with this on the larger you know fast fashion supply chains I would like to think that there's been some positive impact following that but I I just can't think of any I can't not that I'm aware of I think people again it's highlighted the issues and and consumers are being more aware but on a practical level of like working with my own suppliers it you know things did halt and then they slowed down um and like slowly started picking up again but for me it feels like there hasn't been a lot of change I think apart from awareness um about the issues in the supply chain then and I, there may be some, I mean, even it's still happening now. Cambodia's, Cambodia were quite lucky with the coronavirus and they didn't have a lot of numbers, but actually now they've had a sudden peak in numbers. And now um, I was speaking to a manufacturer in Cambodia and they're saying they're okay at the moment, but obviously it might have an effect on them now. So I think it's still happening, but um, yeah, I mean, in terms of, not the pandemic but I know that Brexit's had an effect on things because of, yeah. <laughs> because of importing and I do feel for so many busy businesses that um have worked in Europe for a long time and import and now they're looking at having to squeeze these import fees into their margins so I think that's changed things a lot 
Yeah, I think that Brexit has had a huge impact on small businesses. Yes, definitely. Where margins are already tight. And also, you, I mean, just the admin of it, when you're like running a business by yourself, Mm -hmm. it's huge to just have to figure it out. You know, fine, I was talking on a call the other day and, you know, Bigger companies, they can get an importer to deal with it for them and they can bring out over, like, you know, one lorry load each month or, you know, they they can consolidate. But as a small business, you can't really do that (laughs) the same way. I think that the only one that has their, are getting better and, like, almost have their stuff sorted in terms of, like, what I've heard from people is DHL out of all the different companies, like it seems to me that DHL has gotten it fairly sorted now. That's good to know. <laughs> if you want to ship something to Europe or from Europe, that's what I've heard from several people. Oh, okay, that's really interesting. That That is working okay now, whereas all the others have not yet sorted out their stuff. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I don't know if I can even blame them so much as the government really, it was really cutting it fine. So, like, it was hard to implement things. Yeah, definitely. I mean, we all know how long processes take and on things that size, it would just, I would have hate to be someone who worked within customs in January and February. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I would not, I mean, I, I'm guessing they also have had, like, a lot of like comments from everyone around them like it can't be a nice no, thing <laughs> I think in terms of the pandemic I think one good thing that has come out of it you know you looking at the silver lining or whatever the expression is is the whole awareness thing that you yeah. said I do think one of the challenges is that if you want to be ethical one of the first things you would do is to go and visit and you haven't been able mm-hmm. to um, yeah. but it's about finding working with what you have right and doing the best you can yeah and you I, that's why I just think video calls are so important because you know you can have all of the checks in place and you can ask all the right questions but if when you're on a video call with someone and you say and you bring up the words of ethics and workers rights and you can physically sort of people aren't that great of actors you sort of get a gut feeling whether they want to talk about that and whether they're open about it are they giving you all information if they're quite closed off and they want to just move on to the next thing I mean trusting your gut is so important I think that speaks a thousand words um so when you can't visit having these video calls and and having these virtual tours and making sure you're having the right conversations is the next best thing yeah and I think it's really nice when you also like when they send pictures of them making the stuff during the production like progress pictures and stuff because like if they're proud of sharing that I mean there's no guarantees but I I feel like when they're proud of sharing their process that it's much more of a partnership yeah and like I remember years ago I went to visit a manufacturer in India and they were you know they had me in this room and they were showing me all of these products and I said, can I have a look around, you know, the unit where things are made? And they're like, oh, that's off-site. 
And straight away, it was like, okay, well, that's not for me then. If I can't, if this is, if yeah. I'm in some like random room, where like showroom that's just put on for show and I can't actually see where the things are being made and who's making them, then it doesn't feel comfortable at all. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, I guess it's a lot of gut instinct. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> So how can you help, like, how do you help your clients navigate this? Because it is a really tricky thing. And I think navigating is probably a good word for it because it is such a strange, wonderful thing. (laughs) It is a funny one. I always feel funny saying, like, trust your gut with this. But, I, I mean, as long as we have some really good conversations about what they're looking for and what they need from it, and then, you know, I help them with how to ask the right questions, you know, how to get the right answers, how to ask the questions people feel uncomfortable often asking about ethics, but how to just go for it. Um, I can often, I often join them on a, on a call with a manufacturer when it's like the first one. And I don't really say much. I just kind of listen and chime in now and again, but and then I guess I just help them through that process and help them figure out what that makes sure all of their ticks boxes are ticked, but they're getting the right feeling too. And I guess it I guess it's important for them to be able to question things with me and talk through it and trust in their own gut, but knowing that everything is in place and needs to be in place as well. And do you work with clients that manufacture both like abroad and here in the UK? What do you have like an area you specialize in? What do you do? I mean, a lot of, a lot of my experience is in India and around Asia. Um, but I have worked with manufacturers like all over the world, South America. Um, I do work in Europe. I do work with some clients that are manufacturing in the UK and it, the, the process is the same so I'm still helping them understand the process and what they need to be asking making sure everything's in place and but I do work a lot in like abroad as well I guess it's really varied um yeah it's really varied <laughs> I, I it's really varied with, I work with startups as well or businesses that have been going for like five years plus and they actually just need to change manufacturer um and they might be changed into a different part of the world. So I can help them with that process. That's really, really interesting. And how? what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? I, I suppose both for your consultancy and for, you know, your your fashion stuff. <laughs> yeah, so Instagram's probably the best place because I'm on there the most. And then both bios link to my website, which has got lots more information on about like my experiences and um the way I work with both projects really so my ethical production consultancy Instagram is sarahcollins.uk and it's s-a-r-a not with the h and then sister and kin is all one word sister and kin for Instagram handle perfect well I will pop that in the show notes (laughs) as well of course well thank you so much for coming and having a chat on the podcast it's really great i know we've talked about it ages ago but i've had a little break from it so it's really lovely to chat yeah it's been amazing thanks for having me on it's always really nice to chat to people about all of this stuff thank you so much sarah for coming on the podcast i'm very excited to share this episode with everyone And thank you to all of you who are listening. If you are interested in 
Sarah and uh, Lottie's course that is now open and you can head to the link in the show notes to find out more and of course if you want to support or have some help from Sarah with your ethical manufacturing then you can find all the details in the show notes as well plus if you do want to buy some a stock up on some ethical fashion you can have a look on the sister and kin store which i've also linked in the show notes thank you so much for listening and i will be back next monday with another episode and i am really looking forward to it so thank you very much have a wonderful day